All right, Exodus 33. It's hard not to preach to a crowd that's this cranked up, so we're going to get right into it tonight. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for a Bible that is true from cover to cover. And I, you know, I even believe the cover on mine, it says holy, holy Bible. And I, I believe that. And thank God, thank God I have a final authority that goes beyond my opinion. I can open up God's book and I just believe what it says. I, I wish I could say that I understood everything, but I'm working on that. I'm trying to understand everything that the Lord will let me know. And, but boy, the things, the things that I do understand have sure made a difference in my life. Look here in Exodus 33 this evening. I want to preach to you a message called A Place By Me. And I'm not talking about a place by me. Uh, it's the Lord talking. So look here in Exodus chapter 33 and look in verse 12. The Bible said, Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence, this is God speaking, he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Now, I'm not going to preach about that tonight, but that begs comment, so I, I have to say something about it. Uh, separation these, this day and time is a dirty word. It's almost, almost equated with a cuss word, especially in churches. You begin to talk about separation, and you might as well watch and pay attention to people just falling out in the middle of the aisle and croaking. Uh, when you start talking about, hey, you shouldn't go with the world and act like the world does, and you shouldn't go to the places and hang out where the world hangs out, and you shouldn't, you shouldn't be comfortable around the worldly people. Uh, you start talking along those lines, and people, you know, what's this guy talking about? Because, you know, people, people are very comfortable with staying up on Saturday night and watching all kinds of filth that's just right on the lines of pornography. I mean, they're, they're very comfortable with that thing. And then think nothing about, think nothing about coming and sitting in a church house. And when the preacher says something that makes them feel good, and, hey, man, uh, that's, that's, there's something wrong with that. But, but I will say this. Let me get back to what I was going to say originally. Uh, here in verse 16, he, uh, Moses said, he said, For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight. And he said, Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Israel, look, we've been looking in Sunday school, don't want to jump off on this too far, but Israel is a nation that God said they'll not be reckoned among the nations. And what Moses is saying here is he said, God, if you'll just go with us, he said, people will know that we're not like them. You know, you, you could say all the things that you want to say about what, what's right about separation, and there's plenty to be said about that. We might uh, talk quite a bit about that tonight, but all I'm going to say is that if you can get the presence of God with you, when somebody, when somebody else is around you and they're trying to run from the presence of God, when they get around you, if you have the presence of God in your life, they'll separate from you. It's just really that simple. Verse 17, the Bible said, And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace 
in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me my, thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst, thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. That's a holy God. That's a righteous God. The Bible said in the book of Hebrews, our God is a consuming fire. That's who Moses is talking to. He said, you can't see me and live. God said, if I showed you who I really was, if I let you see my face, uh, I don't know what would have happened to him. Maybe just disintegrated. I don't know. But something would have happened. I know this. He'd have died. But the Bible said in verse 21, and the Lord said, behold, there's a place by me. Did you know that there's a place by the Lord? Did you know that it's possible for you to stand there? Moses did. He said, there's a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cleft, uh, in a cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by, and I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. All right. Father, help us, Lord, tonight. God, pray that you'd fill me, Lord, with your spirit. God, help me to say what's right and true. Help me to stay faithful to your word. Help me to stay faithful to you. And God, Lord, I just pray, God, I pray that you help me, Lord, not to be blown about, God, by my own emotions, God, or Lord, by my own leadership, God. But Lord, I pray that you'd lead, God. I pray that you'd, God, Lord, give me the things to say. Help me to say everything that you want me to say. And then, Lord, once that's accomplished, Lord, I pray that you'd help me, Lord, to put the brakes on and be still, God, and let you do the work, God, that you need to do. And we we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Let me say, first of all, uh, the, this passage here in verse 21, the Bible said, And the Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me. Let me just reemphasize the fact that there is a place. There is a place by the Lord. I, I know we're living in a day and time to where a lot of people don't believe that. They don't believe that there's a place where you can stand by God, but I believe that there is a place. As a matter of fact, I know that there's a place where you can stand by God. The Bible says, I believe it's in the book of Psalm chapter 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place shall abide, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Hey, there's a place, there's a place where you can get right up next to God. There's a place where you can get right up next to God and get, get in God's presence, and God's presence can have an effect on your life. It can clean you up and make you holy and make you righteous, make you pure. It can dry out drunks, and it can take the doper off of his dope and off of his cocaine, off of his heroin. It can clean you up. There's a place by God, and I tell you, as, a, as Christians sitting in here this evening, there's a place by God for you. There's a place where God wants you to come and dwell by him. You say, well, I just don't believe. I just don't believe that that kind of life is possible. I know that's because you're not willing to live that kind of life. That's just all there is to it. So you're not going to be able to get in God's presence. I don't give a rip what preacher says what. I don't give a rip what church member says what. You're not going to get into God's presence drinking beer with beer on your breath and then turn around and act like God's okay with that stuff. You say, well, what about grace? God is gracious. And the fact that he ain't knocked a knot on your head and put you in hell is the grace of God. It's the grace of God. That's just all there is to it. There's a place by God. There's a place by God. Let me tell you something about grace this evening. Grace is the fact that Jesus Christ died for your sins. 
That's where grace is. Grace is right there on a cross. Grace is right there with a man who was the God man. It was God manifest in the flesh, bleeding and dying for your iniquities. That's where the grace of God is found. But that's not what that large, and by and large, what this generation's looking for. This generation's looking for grace that means something along the lines of, don't judge me. Don't judge me. I'd go down there to that church, but they're just real judgmental. It's not the church, my friend. It's God's book. It's the Holy Ghost. God, listen, God is judgmental. And listen, God offers. Listen, at the same time, God hands out that judgment. God also, God also extends out to you the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ, his son. It goes together. You can't, you can't, why, why in God's name, why in God's name would somebody want to be saved? If there wasn't a, a retribution at the end of the road, if there was no judgment at the end of the road, what's the need to be saved? Hey, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. It just don't make sense. It don't make sense. This, this God that just kind of look at stuff and just let stuff pass, it just, it ain't right. It ain't right. You say, well, I just feel, nobody asked you how you felt. Well, I just think nobody asked you how you think. Listen, it don't matter what Dr. Doodle Sniffer says, and it doesn't matter what Dr. So-and-so says. I got this little magazine in the mail here at the church. I, you know, we have church on the sign, and we've got church, you know, as far as the corporation papers are, are concerned. And, you know, all these Southern Baptist organizations find all these quote-unquote Baptist churches, and they just say, well, let's just send out these magazines. And so they send out these magazines, and there's some guy on the front cover, and he looks like Poindexter. You know, he's got them round plastic glasses, and you know, they look like Coke bottles. And he bald on the top, which my daddy's bald. I ain't got nothing against that. I might go bald here before. For too long, uh, it, it'll turn gray or turn loose. But hey, this fellow's on there, and he's talking about. He said, "You know," he said, "In a lot of these churches, he said, there's a lot of negativity that's emphasized." And he said, "He said, I think we're really." It's got an article in there. He said, "I think we're really missing the mark." He said, "Human nature is a beautiful thing." I, all I said, all I thought to myself was, "Well, he missed Genesis chapter three. You know, you know what the Lord said about human nature. He said, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts, how much, how much more shall not your heavenly Father which is in heaven give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Jesus, Jesus took it for granted that you was evil. He took it for granted that man's bad. That's what people don't like about old-time religion. That's what people don't like. That's what they don't appreciate about righteousness. That's what they don't, pre they don't appreciate about straight preaching. Listen, let me just tell you something. There is no such thing as hard preaching. There's just true preaching. That's just all there is to it. It's just stand up and just say, hey, this is what God said. This is how his book is. This is what it says. And that's it. That's all there is to it. If you think that's hard, that's because you are a transgressor. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, the way, the way, the way of the transgressor is what? Oh, that's a great blessing to hear a church quoting scripture, boy. Yes, sir. The way the transgressor is hard. It's hard. I just don't, I don't like all that straight preaching. Well, you must not like a holy God. That's just all there is to it. But I'm telling you, if you're going to get next to God, God is going to expect some holiness. God said, there's a place by me right here. You will come stand right here next to me? Huh? Now, listen, I'm not taking away from the fact that God is gracious. There ain't never one of us sitting right in here in this building that is without the need for God's grace. Every single one of us. Yes, sir. 
Every, every single one of us sitting in this building tonight need the grace of God. You need the mercy of God. But I tell you something, that that grace is not a license for you to go do whatever you want to. So what, what, what we're not arguing, what we're not arguing about is that there's, a, that there's a statement. We're not arguing about the fact that we need the grace of God. What we argue about is the fact that, hey, that grace is not to be trampled upon and it's not to be uh, trodden upon and, and counted a light thing. It's supposed to be something that you take advantage of so that you can improve yourself. We looked at the verse this morning, Titus chapter 2. He said, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should walk soberly, godly in this present evil world. That's what the grace of God teaches you. Well, I just believe in the grace of God. I do too. Well, I just believe that the grace of God means that I can just do whatever I want to. No, you got the wrong grace of God. That's not even grace. That's a license. It, it, that don't exist. That kind of grace doesn't exist. That's right, that's right. That kind of grace doesn't exist. There's a place by me, he said. There is a place. I told this story here before, right here in this church, but I tell it again tonight because it fits right here. My dad was at a, my dad was in evangelism for about five or six or seven years. I, I'm not good at math. I'm not too good at counting either. But he was in evangelism for a couple of years, and he went down to a meeting somewhere. I won't tell you where it's at, but uh, not too far from here. But he went down to a meeting, and he was talking about it to a fellow. He's talking to a pastor, and he was talking about, man, what God was. My daddy, he was talking to him, man, God's showing me this and God showed me that and I got a hold of some of these books and he started calling these guys names and these are guys that's living back in the late 1600s and early 1700s and the late 1700s and he was talking about the emphasis that they had on holiness and personal sanctification and I will say this I, I will say this just to be fair a lot of them wasn't Baptists and they wasn't right about everything. They wasn't right about all their doctrine. But, buddy, I'll tell you something that they had that the modern church doesn't have is an emphasis on righteousness. And this guy, my dad was talking to this pastor and was saying, man, these things are such a blessing to me, man, and it's inspiring. And this guy was sitting down across the table from him and looked at my dad and he said, he said, brother, you just can't live that way. He said, that kind of life is not possible. Well, I got news for you. I got news for you. Listen. You have the Holy Ghost living inside of you. You've got the seal of the Spirit. You've got eternal security. I still believe in eternal security. Once saved, always saved. I'm not going to let somebody talk me out of that just because they got a degree behind their name. But anyways, you got this situation. Uh, you've got eternal security right here in the New Testament. You know, in the Old Testament, that's not something that they had. They didn't have eternal security in the Old Testament. But you know, here you've got a man by the name of Elijah. Huh? And you know what Elijah said? He said in 1 Kings chapter 17, the first time that Elijah shows up, this is probably why Elijah had such an impact on old Ahab and the worst king that Israel ever had, Jezebel. This is probably why he had such an impact on them because he said, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand. You know, he went on to say, he said, there's not going to be any rain for three years. And it didn't rain. Oh, Elijah, I guess, reached up there and got a hold of the God of heaven and said, God, turn the water faucets off. God, get this reprobate king's attention. Yes, sir. And God, sure enough, did it, I suppose. That's, that's how the story goes. That's, that's James chapter 5. He prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain. 
say, oh, no, God just made his, God just made up his arbitrary mind that it wasn't going to rain. James 5 says that he prayed it wouldn't rain. Well, that don't sound like a very nice preacher, but that's what he prayed nonetheless. So he got in here and he, he said, but the thing that really made the impact, I believe, on Ahab and Jezebel's life was, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand. You know what Elijah was saying? Hey, there's a place by God. Hey, did you know, listen to me, there's a place by the Lord tonight. Wherever, wherever it is that you are tonight, there's a place by God for you. Elijah found it. Elijah found it. Elijah found it. You know what that place is that's by God? It's a place of principle. It's a place of principle. We live in a very fluid society. People want to just kind of wander from this way and wander this way and just kind of go this way and that way. But that's not, that's not the place next to the Lord. Sure, there's grace to be had, but I'm telling you, the place next to God is a place of principle. You say, where do you get that from? How about the three Hebrew boys? You reckon they found the place by God? Huh? Listen, they, they got into a situation to where old King Nebuchadnezzar set up this image, and he said, hey, let's get everybody together, and we're going to unite this kingdom with a world religion. Got them down there, got them started bowing down, and he said, when you hear the Christian rock band playing, he said, I want you to bow down and worship this golden image that I've made. I believe it was a picture of himself. I don't, I don't know that, but I believe that. There's reason that I believe that. Look in Daniel chapter 2, and you'll, you'll see why I believe that. But anyways, he said, when you hear the music playing, he said, you need to bow down and worship this golden image that I've set up. And you know, he looked out there, and he saw everything going on. He saw all these people worshiping this golden image that he set up, except these three little ant-looking figures way out there. And he nudged this fellow next to him in one of his counselors. He said, who is that? And that fellow got his binoculars up and he looked way out there and he said, oh, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Amen. He said, you get them up here. And he said, he got them up there and, you know, like a good world leader would. He said, didn't I tell you that you're supposed to bow down and worship this thing? And they said, that's true. You told us that. They said, there's only one problem. It violates the principle that our mama, when we were still little boys sitting on mama's knee, she told us, that little Jewish mama told us that we wasn't supposed to be bowing down to no false idols. Amen. And that's right, that's right here in the second book of Moses. Of course, they didn't have chapter markings at that time, but chapter 20, we're not supposed to bow down to no graven images. Amen. And he said, well, you do know what the punishment for this is. He said, I'm going to have to throw you into the fiery furnace. And they said, oh yeah, you're going to have to just go ahead and throw us in there. And they said, but you just need to know that our God is able to deliver us. But if he doesn't, but if he doesn't, we still ain't going to bow. You say, what is that? That's some fellows of principle. You know what that king did? He kept his word. He grabbed them boys and tied them up and threw them right in the middle of the furnace. The Bible said that he heated that furnace up seven times hotter than it was wont to be heated. And the Bible said that that thing was so hot that the men that took up Shadrach and Abednego, Meshach and Abednego and threw them fellas in, those fellas that threw them, them three Hebrew children in the fire, the Bible said that the fire slew them fellas that threw them in. Yep. Old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get thrown in there. You know, they all tied up and then all of a sudden, man, they... Oh, they're free. They're free. 
They're free. You know, they're not only free. They're not only free from the opinion of a king who didn't know what he was talking about. Huh? They got a lot of freedom. Yes, sir. You say, why? Because they found the place that was next to God. God said, there's a place by me. You know what the problem with me is? You know what the problem with you is? A lot of times that place that's next to God is right in the middle of tribulation. Yes, sir. It's right in the middle of persecution. Boy, you can get ready to pass out a gospel tract and tell somebody, hey, man, Jesus Christ loved you enough to come to this whole wicked world and die for your sins. Man, if you'll just trust Jesus, man, he'll save you. Oh, I don't need that stuff. But you know what? That's a place right next to God. That's a place. God said, there's a place by me. You know what it is? It's a place of principle. It's a place of principle. That's what you got. You, you know what else it is? It's a place of impossibility. Did you know that the place, God just got done telling Moses, he said, listen, there's no man that can see me and live. It's a place of impossibility. Man, you can't stand next to God and live. You remember old Peter? Old Peter was in a boat one day with the rest of the uh, disciples, which by the way, Judas was in there. He was in that boat. And all of a sudden, a storm came up. I believe they was on the Sea of Galilee. A storm came up and they looked off into the distance and way out there was Jesus walking on the water. And they got scared. They said, hey, it's a ghost. But Jesus starts walking by on the water and they, somebody looked out there and said, hey, that's not, that's not a ghost. That's Jesus. And Jesus started talking to them right in the middle of the storm. You remember that story? You remember what Peter said? He said, Lord, if it be thou, is it you? He said, if it be thou, bid me come to thee on the water. See, Peter, uh, Peter gets a lot of flag, but Peter's not stupid all the time. He's not going to just jump out there and jump on the water and start running out there. That's a sure way to sink. You know what he said? He said, you tell me to come out there to you if it's really you. And you know what Jesus said? He said, one word, come. Come on. And you know what Peter did? Peter put one leg over the thing and... A storm's going on around. A storm is going on. They're about ready to sink. They're about ready to go under. And Peter's over here. The rest of the fellas in the boat and he gets out and he starts walking. You know what Peter found out? There's a place next to God. Peter figured out that, you know, it's safer out there in the middle of a storm right next to God. He found out it's safer out there, right next to God in the middle of a storm than it was right in the boat in the safety and the security of things that's so familiar. Hey, here's all the rest of the 11 disciples. Here's everything that I've ever known. Here's my little church. Come to my little church and sit in the four walls of the church. It's a great blessing. We're going to sit in here and we're going to shout it out and we're going to sing. And that's all a great blessing. But you know what's in here? It's security. But you know what? There's a place by God even when you're out there. It's right here. God says there's a place by me. It's a place by me. Let me ask you something. Have you found it? Have you found it? Let me, let me point this out right here in the passage. Verse 20 of the Bible said, He said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. God said, You stand right here next to me, and you know what's going to be under your feet? A rock. You know what that speaks of? It speaks of stability. You know, the most secure and the most stable life you're ever going to live is a life right next to here, right next to God. You know what might be going on? A storm might be going on. Huh? 
you might have to have to be exerting some of your principles and saying, no, sir, I just ain't doing that. Well, how come you ain't doing it? I just don't want to do it. I don't believe it's right. Yes, sir, sometimes I've, I've, I've said things right here in the church, and I know that they're personal standards, they're personal principles, and I don't really necessarily expect anybody in this church to pick them up, but they're just things I'm not going to do just because it violates my personal principles. I open up God's book, and I get under conviction about things. I say, okay, I'm just not going to do it. Amen. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, hey, why don't you come and do this? I don't go to the movie theater. Amen. Yeah, I, I felt it. Yeah. Well, I don't go to the movie theater. You say, why? Oh, look at all the stuff that's going on there. Nobody knows what you're going in there to look at. Boy, Carl Lackey used to preach on that back in the 60s and 70s, and people used to have the same kind of response. Yes, sir. Carl Lackey used to get up and preach it. Oh, you better not be going to them picture shows. Mm -hmm. People get quiet just the same. But anyways, you say, what is it? Hey, why don't you come on and go to the movies with us? No. No, I'm not going to go. Why? Just personal principle. I just got some principle. I, there's some things. You know, listen, there's not, there's not anything that is, that is too big to give up for the Lord. I don't know if you ever sit down and think about that, man. I, if you ever sit down and think about, you know, who is it that's asking me? Who is it that's working on me about giving this up? Now, if it's somebody else, okay, fine. Maybe you've got room to say, nah, not a big deal. But if it's the Lord... If it's a conviction of the Holy Ghost, you know there's nothing that God deals with you about that's worth hanging on to to grieve him. God begin to deal with your heart and you begin to slough that stuff off and push it back into the background and say it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. It's a big deal to the Lord else he wouldn't deal with you about it. And the fact that it's not a big deal to you, all that proves is that you're not looking at it right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But there's a place by God. There's a place by me, the Lord said. Hey, it's right here. It's a place of principle. It's a place where there's a storm, but it is a place of stability. Yes, sir. So how is it? How is it? Man, I, I come into a church and, man, you, people start singing. And where, Where's all that singing come from? Does it come from uh, 107.3? I'm trying to think of the local country music station, but I can't think of it because I don't listen to country music because I got better sense. I said, I got better sense. Amen. Are you saying I don't have good sense? If you listen to country music, you ain't got good sense. That's why you're depressed 90% of the time. That's what they sing about. I lost this. I lost that. I lost this. I lost that. Sure. That's just, it don't make good sense to be listening to that kind of stuff. Where was I going with country music? Uh, anyways, it's a place of stability. Oh, I was talking about singing. People listen to the kind of music that they identify with. Yes, sir. Somebody's got complaining coming out of their mouth in song. That's what country music is. It's complaining. Oh, she left me. I lost lost this. Of course, a lot of them's making fun of it now. Mm -hmm. A lot of them's making fun of the fact that their wife left them or the girlfriend left them. I mean, if your girlfriend, quote, unquote, left you, all that says is that you've been living in fornication. You need to get that right. Amen. God still says it's wrong to be shacking up. I don't care who's doing it. I don't care if it's your mother or my mother. I don't care if it's your daddy or my daddy. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's good preaching even if I am doing it. 
But, you know, they make fun of that kind of stuff now, but all that country music's about is I'm losing this and I'm losing that and I'm losing this and I'm losing that. Well, that's the kind of stuff that people listen to because they identify with that stuff. What is it? Complaining. Complaining. You know, you come in here and you listen to a group of people. Boy, it blesses my heart, man. It, it really is a great blessing. And I guarantee it's a blessing to you to come in here and listen to God's people sing out like they did tonight. Hmm? I saw somebody got hooked up to 220 or 440. I'm not sure which. You say, where does that come from? Well, the Bible says in the book of Psalms, I believe it was David who wrote that psalm. He said, the Lord lifted me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. You know what he did when he pulled me up out of there? You know what he did when he pulled you up out of there? He set your feet on a rock. The Bible says in the book of Nehemiah, it says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. When people got joy in their heart, when they got cheer in their heart, boy, there's something inside that says, yeah, boy, I can go another mile. It's like old Elijah getting down there and lying down at the bottom of the mount, and an angel comes to him and says, hey, it's time to get up and eat. It's time to get something to eat. And Elijah eats that thing, and the Bible said that he got up and he went on the strength of that meat for 40 days. Huh? God put joy down in your heart, man. God do something for you as big as salvation. I know, I know, it's just, it's such a light thing. You're only going to heaven. I mean, you only missed hell. Huh? But God do something as big for you as saving you and taking you off the road to hell and putting you on the road to heaven and giving you something called eternal security. Never lose it, man. Listen, I'm a scumbag. I am a scumbag. I won't even apply that to you. How you like that? I am a scumbag, but you know that there's nothing that I can ever do to lose my salvation. Because if I could have, I would have already lost it. Well, I guess that's just something to stand here and say, yeah, praise the Lord. Mm. Boy, it seems like to me, boy, it's a great blessing. You know, God start to let that thing break in on you. And boy, the truth of the fact that, man, I'm saved. I'm seated. I'm so, I'm so saved. I'm so saved that I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ right now. Ephesians chapter 2, right now right now. I couldn't go to hell. You say, why? Because I'm already in heaven. It's a great blessing. It's a great blessing. You say, what is that? Stability. Yes, sir. I'm not, listen, I'm not necessarily, I'm not necessarily talking about the fact that you live right all the time. We should, but we don't. Thank God for the grace of God, but I will say this. I will say this. Even in the middle of all that, there can be a measure of stability. Huh? There can be some stability. Your emotions don't have to be all over the place. Huh? Your mind doesn't have to be all over the place. 90% of Christians, I believe, live in, or 90% of professing Christians, I should say, live in depression most of the time. Boy, listen, that's no life for a child of God. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying that's not the life that God wants you to live. Well, how do I get out of my depression, Brother Nathan? Do, do we want to sit down and have a counseling session? No, I recommend getting your heart right with God. Because that's where a lot of your depression's coming from. Maybe not all of it. You just don't understand how the brain works. You don't either. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You want to talk about all that stuff? No, sir. We're not going to talk about that stuff. All I will say is, Get your heart right with God and then get your face in God's book and say, God, show me, show me. Like Moses said, God, show me your glory. You know why you're so depressed about things? Because you're busy looking for your glory. 
Yes, sir. And when it don't come, you got plenty of reason to be discouraged. You got plenty of reason to be depressed. Yes, sir. You know what preachers is doing this day and time? They're sitting down next to old brother so-and-so, and they're saying, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. It'll be okay. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. And as soon as that church member gets up and walks out the back door, they're going back to the same life of fornication that they was living in before they came in. They're going back to the same beer. They're going back to the same dope, going back to the same cocaine. And listen, whether you're saved or lost, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And what they've got in their life is going to kill them. It's going to kill them. It's going to destroy them. And it'll kill preachers too. It'll kill deacons, too. It'll kill song leaders, too. It'll kill anybody that it gets a hold of. And listen, the more sin that you get in your life and the less willing you are to get it out, the faster you're going to die. Yes, sir. That's the, way it, that's the way it works. You don't have to live that way, though. You know why? God said, there's a place by me. God said, come stand right here. What's going on with a lot of Christians? What's going on? What goes on with you on a daily basis? What goes on with me on a daily basis? God's standing over there and God's saying, hey, come stand by me. And you say, no, no, no. I, I really want your presence, but I'd really like to have it right here. I'd really like to see your glory, but I'd really like to see it right here. And God said, no, sir, right here, right here. First John chapter 1, listen, one of the most elementary things that you need to understand as a Christian is the fact that 1 John chapter 1 says that God is light. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Did you know that grace does nothing about that statement? Grace does nothing to negate that statement in 1 John. Is 1 John chapter 1 true? Is the grace of God true? Then they don't disagree. If you think that the grace of God negates the fact that God is light and in him is no darkness at all, you have a fallible understanding of grace. If I believe that the grace of God negates the fact that God is light and in him is no darkness at all, I've got a fallible understanding of grace. God is never, God is never going to look at your low life and say, that's okay. God's never going to look at sin and say, it'll be all right. The Bible says in the book of Habakkuk that God is of holier eyes. He's of purer eyes than to look upon evil. God's not going to look at it and say it's okay. You say, why? Because God is light and in him is no darkness. No darkness at all. You know why you're okay with darkness? Because you're used to it. Okay, well, let's deal with a God who the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, it might be 2 Timothy chapter 4, but it says he dwells in a light that no man can approach unto. God's never going to look at your sin and say it's okay. You know what he's going to say? Get it right. He's going to say get it right. And you know what? When you go to the cross, listen, if you're lost in here this evening, if you go to the cross and say, Lord, I'm a sinner, I want you to save my soul. You know what he'll do? He'll pick you up from right where you are, and he'll put you right here. You got something in your heart that ain't right as far as a Christian goes? Listen, you're sitting in here, you say, Brother Nathan, I know I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven. I trusted Christ as my Savior, but I'm a little bit backslid. Well, I'll tell you what, you run to that same cross and say, Lord, 
I've messed my life up. God, I've done wrong. Lord, I'm not trying to justify it anymore. God, I want to get right with you. You know what God will do? God will pick you up and he'll put you right next to him. There's a place by me. There's a place by me. There's a place. You believe there's a place? Did you know that that place by God, there's plenty of room for you to stand there? You said, Brother Nathan, there's all these people standing by God. There's room for you. It's right here. God's a big God. He's a big God. There's room for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond tonight. God spoke to your heart. Why don't you come? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. And, Lord, we thank you, God, that there is a place by you. God, thank you, Lord, for your grace. Lord, thank you for being gracious enough to deal with us, God, about our sin, dealing with us, God, about holiness. And, Lord, I pray, God, that you'd help us, God, Lord, not to use your grace, God, as a, as a license, God, to sin. Lord, help us not to use your grace as a, as a means to lasciviousness, but, God, use it, Lord, in the sense of helping us, God, to get right, Lord. The grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present evil world. God, help us, Lord, we pray. God, deal with us, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. And Lord, pray that you bless these that have come. Lord, pray that you bless those that are in their seat. God, just work on hearts as you see fit. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. So I'm going to come tonight. God spoke to your heart. Boy, you're at liberty. You're at liberty to deal with God. Do business with the Lord as he leads. Amen.